Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Good morning. Good to see each of you here, and we're confident that God's Word will speak to you and that this is a place where you belong and can grow with others that are growing in what it means to follow Jesus and to know Him and look forward to having the opportunity to get to know you more uh, as you are around here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, in this month of January, we are in a series titled The Reset. The Reset. And uh, Pastor Craig kicked it off the first week uh, with the message, Re-examine Your Path. Re-examine Your Path. And then last week, we continued with the message, Reset the Yoke. Reset the Yoke. I want to preach a message to you today titled, Right There in the Middle. Somebody say that with me. Right There in the Middle. And before I do, I want us to look at two passages of Scripture that's going to be the foundation and really direct us in our time together of our focus on this truth that I want to preach to you today. We want to start looking in James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, I want to read a large passage of Scripture. You know, the hope is, is that you are here and you're growing with other disciples that are on this journey of following Jesus. That the amount of Scripture I'm about to read is not the largest portion of Scripture you read all week. That as Pastor Craig mentioned, that you find that God comforts and He speaks and He exhorts and He encourages us through the written word. And James 3, beginning in verse 2, we find the Apostle James saying, For we all stumble in many things. Notice that, we all. That includes me as a pastor. That includes the person next to you. For we all. So unless you think you got the wrong address today to where you're at, I want to assure you up front, you're at the right place. You belong here. Because we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Notice that. Very small, and yet it turns the entire ship. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. It continues on. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. It continues on. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God, the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. 
My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Then 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Is there anybody here that would like to see some good days? Is there anybody here that would want to love life, love their experience with Jesus, for we have one life? Well, you're at the right place today then. Because Peter says, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ came, he was crucified. He died and was buried, but he rose victorious. And I thank you in that name of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Thank you as all authority. Ask Holy Spirit that you would enforce the lordship of Jesus Christ in every heart, every mind, that the word of God would run swiftly, that Christ would be manifested to each person. Holy Spirit, I acknowledge my need of you. Make much of Jesus. May we, God, in your light see light. We'll give you praise. We'll give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I find that often when we think about the issue of experiencing a reset in life, maybe some of you need a reset in your career. Maybe you need a reset in the direction of your life. Maybe you need a reset in marriage. Maybe some of you need a reset in your relationship with your children, if we could be honest today. And I think that oftentimes when we think about a reset, we primarily overlook this one little member, the member of our body called the tongue. In fact, last week we saw the Apostle Paul in Romans 15, 18. He says that Christ had accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit through him things both in word and in deed. That is the New Testament pattern. That the Holy Spirit wants to empower the people of God that Christ would be manifested, that Christ would accomplish things through them both in word and in deed. Last week we focused primarily on the deed aspect. How the Holy Spirit empowers us to manifest Christ in our deeds. But today I want to focus on the word part. The Holy Spirit wants to empower the people of God that Christ would accomplish some things on the earth, some things through His body in word. In word. This leads us to what we read there in the book of James. James says that the tongue is so set. Notice that. It's so set. God has designed humanity... And he has so set the member called the tongue in such a way that James highlights three things. The first thing he says regarding how the tongue is set is he says it defiles the whole body. God has so set the tongue. 
that the tongue, when it's been affected and energized by the wrong source, it defiles not just part of the body, but the whole body. Secondly, James says the tongue is so set that it sets the whole course. The tongue has been so set by God that it has actually set the course of humanity, the course of history. It's actually setting the whole course of your life. It can set the course of your marriage. It can set the course of relationships. It can set the course of your influence and your career. Thirdly, he says in verse 6 that the tongue is so set that it's set on fire by all of hell. Now, at least we think James is just exaggerating. James repeats there in chapter 3 and verse 16 that when you get the wrong things in the motivation of your heart, that there exists, watch this, every evil thing. The tongue can be set on fire by all of the desires of hell. And it's because the tongue is so set. It's because it can defile the whole body, set the whole course, be set on fire by all of hell and every evil thing. It's exactly because that tongue, your tongue, my tongue, our tongue is so set that we need a reset. You might have came in today and didn't realize you need a reset, but I need a reset. We need a reset. You need a reset. When you look at the whole book of James, you find it starts off saying when you find yourself falling into various trials. Notice the language, falling into various trials. That means you have lived life long enough to understand that you don't have to go looking for trials. That if you'll just keep living, you'll find yourself falling into trials. And so you find James as he's talking about this theme and this reality that we all find ourselves in experiencing various trials at different times. Surrounded by this theme of trials, you find right in the middle, there it is. You find right in the middle, chapters dealing with, guess what? The tongue. The tongue. This small little member that we so often forget about, and yet God has said it in such a way that it has such an impact and effect upon our body, upon the course of our life, our influence, and what we see and experience in life. And it's not just James. In fact, 1 Peter, where we read that passage, you find out that Peter is dealing with the issue of suffering. And right in the midst of him talking about suffering and that we're all going to face different aspects of suffering, surrounded by the theme of suffering, you find Peter right in the midst, him talking about the tongue. Somebody say it's right there in the middle. It is right there in the middle. And it's because the tongue is so set, and it's because we find ourselves in various trials, and we're going to experience types of suffering, it is because of this that it's so easy so easy what, Chad? It's so easy when we are in trials. It's so easy when we are in suffering to forget that God has given us a rudder. It is so easy for me when I'm facing 
trials, and suffering to get so overwhelmed that I forget that God has given me a rudder. So often we find ourselves getting discouraged. We find ourselves battling mentalities and lies that because we're facing so many things that's out of our hand, that's out of our control, that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, that we have no ability to influence the course of our life. And it's exactly to this type of thinking that James and Peter speaks to remind us that right there in the midst of your trials, right there in the midst of your suffering, don't forget that God's given you a rudder. He's given you something that can begin to affect which way you turn, which way you go, even in the midst of what you're going through. It's so easy when we're overwhelmed to forget that God has given us a spring of blessing. If you're born again and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it is so easy in life to forget that there is an ever-flowing spring. And James says it's a fresh spring. It is a spring that will bring a freshness, that will bring a vitality, will bring an absolute abundance of grace and the strength of God and bring fresh vision and bring fresh energy for a fresh year. It will bring fresh focus. It's so easy to be overwhelmed and to forget that through the new birth, God has joined us to a fresh spring, Christ in us, the hope of glory that never runs dry. It's so easy. I'm confident I'm not the only one where it becomes so easy. So easy to forget I have a rudder. So easy to forget that I've been joined to a fresh spring, a spring of life. In fact, Paul says those who are born again followers of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians six seventeen, he who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You're in union to this spring of grace, this spring of dunamis power, this spring of freshness. But it's so easy to forget. Because the interesting things about springs is that you cannot normally see with the visible eyes and touch with the physical hands the source of the spring. We can go and today, uh, take a field trip after the gathering and go see some springs. But rarely are you able with the natural eye to see the source of that spring. The source of the spring is behind a rock. It's, it's underground. It's outside of what your natural sight can see. And so when we are facing trials and sufferings and all that we see in life doesn't look like good days. It looks like difficulty. It looks like defeat. It looks like roadblocks. It looks like one issue and difficulty after another with our marriage, with our children, with dealing with our boss and dealing with finances and setbacks. It's so easy to focus on those things and to forget that you've been joined to a fresh spring. So easy. And James speaks of the tongue needing a reset. In fact, in James 3.10, he says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. What's he say? These things need a reset. If you're seeing blessing and you're seeing cursing come out of the same opening of the mouth, then there needs to be a reset. 
These things call for a reset. See, listen to me. If all you have is the same input, then all you can expect is the same output. If your life is not where you thought or desire for it to be in Christ, then there's going to have to be a different input for you to see a different output. Meaning you need a reset before you can experience a different output. Notice what James says regarding the tongue. He says in verse 2 that a perfect man who doesn't stumble in word is able to bridle the whole body. You know what this means? Words are able to bridle or turn the whole body. The tongue is so set that the words that roll off your tongue are able to affect and turn your whole body. They're able to turn your future. They're able to turn you in the progression of are you maturing into the image of Jesus Christ? Are you digressing back into bearing the image of an earthly man living like Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3 like just mere people even though you've been joined to Jesus Christ and have an everlasting fresh spring for what you face? Words. Some of you husbands are thinking about words that you said to your wife and how quickly she turned. No, 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 we ain't talking about those words. She turned and said, excuse me? But words are able to turn our body, able to turn our life. They're able to set the course. And here's the truth of the matter. The body will take us where in heart We do not want to go when our tongue is turned the wrong way. I'll say it again. The body will take us in heart where we do not want to go when our tongue is turned the wrong way. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7, he says, I find myself doing the very thing I hate. And I find myself not doing the very thing in heart I want to do. Paul later begins to find out why. It's because he needed a reset. He finds out that the source of why his body is taking him where he doesn't want to go and doing things he doesn't want to do is that that little member of the tongue is affecting his body, therefore affecting his experience. We'll talk more of that in a moment. But listen to me, James says that just like you look at a ship and it's turned by a small rudder even though there's winds and so many variables you can't control and yet by the rudder the pilot can turn the entire ship. Watch this, where he desires. You know what that means? James is saying the pilot of your life is whoever has your tongue. The pilot of your life is whoever has your tongue. He says, they ships are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. This is why in this series, The Reset, we look first at re-examine your path. Meaning, you have to have an awareness of the path that you're on and you have to re-examine to find out where you want to go. Listen, if you don't know the desires you have, then you don't know where to set your tongue towards. 
Because the pilot turns the ship wherever he desires. But if you don't know what you desire, you don't know what to communicate, what to talk to the Father about, what to believe for. So we first looked at re-examine your path, having awareness. And then last week, that's why we looked at reset the yoke. That some of you are being driven by behaviors, by hurts, by expectations of your parents and the world around you, and you need the yoke to be reset in your life. You need to come under the yoke of Jesus. Jesus is teaching the pattern of sound teaching. You need to come under Jesus' yoke that is easy and his burdens light. See, all of that's related to desire. But once you understand what you desire, how do you start actually experiencing the different path? How do you actually start changing the direction? How do you actually start progressing in the wise progression of being conformed into the image of Jesus? It's the tongue. Just like the rudder turns the ship, wherever the pilot desires, the tongue will turn your life wherever you desire. This is why when you go back to Paul in Romans chapter 7, you find out as you read it that Paul over 20 times says, I. What's rolling off of his tongue is I, 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 I. He is focused on him. Think about it. If I turn my back to you, I can no longer see you. And Paul is saying, I, 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 and his tongue is turning him, and he no longer can see the spring. He no longer can see the source. He no longer can see the one that he should be focusing on. See, because when you get turned, it also affects your focus, which also affects your vision. And what you focus on gets magnified. And Paul is getting magnified, I, I have desires, but I can't do it. His failures are being magnified. His inabilities are being magnified. The things that he wants to do but can't perform, insecurities are being magnified. But you come to the last verse of Romans chapter 7, and you find Paul has a change in the rudder. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul changed the pilot from I living from living by my strength, my ability, living on my self-will to living by faith in Jesus Christ, the spring within him. And he moved from a Romans 7 experience of finding him doing, doing in marriage what he didn't want to do. He wasn't, well, you know, scholars believe his wife left him when he came to Christ. But I'm talking about your marriage, you know. But uh, he, he finds his experience changing. Because his tongue is moved from I-focus to Jesus Christ in him focused. He moves from a Romans 7 experience to a Romans 8, the law of the spirit of life. What did Peter say? You want to see good days and love life? It's going to come back to what is the pilot that's actually driving your life because whoever has your tongue is the pilot of your life. It's hard for us to accept because God's ways are not our ways. That you are today only as far as your tongue has taken you. And listen to me. And you will only go tomorrow as far as your tongue will take you. 
Paul, before he got to Romans 8 and experienced the life and the life more abundantly, he had to have the, what was coming off his tongue changed. Because at that point of his life, the only experience, the only harvest he was having was that which was the result of eye talk and eye focus. See, Proverbs 13, 2a says, A man, a person shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. You want to eat well the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ? You want to eat well the goodness of God and the plan and the purpose of God as your life is hidden in Christ Jesus now? You want to eat well where you see good days and love life? Then notice you only eat well by the fruit of your mouth. And it's because the tongue is so set. And it's because it's so easy to forget. That the next point is so yield. So yield. Notice what he says there in chapter 3, 11 and 12. He says, there is two types of spring. He says in verse 11, does a spring send forth fresh water? And bitter from the same opening? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? A rhetorical question. The answer is no. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Watch this. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. We have to yield to the right spring. The freshwater spring. The spring of the life of Jesus that is joined to our spirit. Because there is another option. And that's what gets us in a salty mess in a, in a bad way. That's when life gets more difficult and we get more overwhelmed. Is we yield not to the spring of our spirit in our inner man that's joined to Christ. But we yield to the spring of other people's opinions. And the world that says you got to be conformed and do life a certain way. We listen to the lies of the enemy. We listen to our emotions and wrong desires. And we begin to talk about the wrong spring. How we feel and what we think. Instead of letting the life of Jesus and the freshwater spring dictate the rudder of our life he says so yield this is why Jesus has joined himself to our spirit is because it is so easy to be overwhelmed it is so easy to talk neg negative about our future and about ourselves. this is why we should yield to a source that's greater than our own source a wisdom that's greater than our own wisdom a strength and a vitality that's greater then our own strength, just yield. Because it is so easy to get overwhelmed. Why don't just yield to Christ in you today? Focus on His source, His life, His ability. Listen to me. When the inward yield is reset, then the outward yield will be reset. Do you know in farming language, I know we don't have many farmers you know, around us anymore in our country. But you know when the harvest comes, you know what that's called? It's called a yield. When the inward yield is right, meaning when you yield to the inward life of Jesus, only then will you have the outward yield or the outward fruit and harvest be right in your life. 
You can't yield just to what you feel and just what you hear from the world and expect to have an outward yield of God's plan and purpose for you. You got to have the right inward yield to get the right outward yield. See, when you let the inward spring, we used to sing the, the song in the old Baptist church. Spring up, oh well, in my soul. Goose, 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 spring up, oh well, in my soul. See, you can try to get the life that God has for you out of the spring of your own soul, your own ambition, your own ideas, your own ability, but you won't see the yield of God. But if you will yield to the life of Jesus, then you can get the manifestations and the power of God's Spirit that causes Christ to accomplish much through your life on the outside yield of your life. See, when the inward spring... Is being open, listen, it will cause outward doors to spring open. Doors that no man can open, but Jesus can open. He can close doors that no man can open that need to be closed. Because when you yield to the inner life of Jesus, it will cause to spring outward His plan and purpose for you. Pastor Craig mentioned about Moses. Our prayer's got to be the same thing. Lord, unless your manifest presence, unless that spring of life goes before me, I don't want to go there. In fact, the Bible says that God showed him a paved work. You look it up in the Hebrew. It means it was an established work and it was like a poem. you got to understand, God's got for you your life to play a song that's a beautiful poem in the eyes and in the ears of people around you that you'll attract people to Christ that's being manifested through you. But those open doors won't spring open until you yield to the right spring within you. So he says... The open doors is what leads to seeing good days. See, some of you right now, you've lived so long that you can't even see that there's the option of good days in your, in your future because your whole life's been boxed in by the harvest of hell that's got a hold of your family and got a hold of your tongue and got a hold of people around you that you run through and all you talk about is defeat and all you talk about is things going wrong. But you got to understand, you start yielding to something that you cannot see Christ in you, He'll cause doors to open before you where then you'll be like the psalmist, you'll stand in a broad place. You'll be like the psalmist that says, yes, there's still enemies, yes, there's still contrary winds, yes, there's still contrary springs, but you prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies someone say there's an inward spring so yield do you know that the only physical tongues that I know that hell and heaven have on earth are those of you and me I'll say it again the only physical tongues that I know that hell and heaven have on earth are those of men and women. You know what that means? This is why the course of history, the course of families, the course of life is dictated by who gets a hold of the rudder. Who gets a hold of the tongue. And this is why we need to sow seeds to sow seed. What do you mean, Chad? We have to sow the right seeds in order to so see the good days that God has for us where we would love life and the experience of Jesus that we're experiencing. 
See, listen to me. Every harvest has been produced by a seed. And every seed has a spring as its source. Both God and the devil are seeking to provide mankind with seed to sow with their tongues. God told the prophet Isaiah, I give my word as seeds to be spoken by you. The devil wants to get into people's mouth to give him seeds of animosity, seeds of hatred, seeds of envy and jealousy and cursing and bitterness. Because listen, every harvest comes from a seed and it has a source. It has a source. You know, the other night, Michelle and I, we were up in our loft. And our loft is sort of our chill-out area once we try to get the three young ones to bed. Maybe we hang out there so that we're closer to put the youngest back in the bed when she tries to get out and save trips up the stairs. I don't know. But normally we try to hang out there in the loft. The other night we were there hanging out, doing what we do at night and just chilling together and watching uh, something on TV. And all of a sudden we heard... Now, last I checked, in a house above your head, there shouldn't be... That doesn't like come with the house. That's not like part of the builder's guarantee. So we locked eyes and we did one of these. Like, yeah, there's something up there. Well, I called my good friend Trent Arrington over later. And we began to go up there. Trent, by the way, who is very tall. Taller than me, which I know is hard to imagine. But he's very tall. He's, he's amazing up in the rafters for a tall guy. I mean, I already had, in fact, you still won the scratches. You know that's a sign you're getting older is when you had a scratch for like two months and still there. I mean, when I was seven years old, you get a scratch, it's gone. Next day, you just scratch it again. I mean, it's no problem. But I had already had a scratch. In fact, I think I had like a little hole in my head where I hit a nail. You know, it was poked, poked through the, the, um, the roof. But Trent's pretty good up there. And what happened was, is Trent began to, we began to see that we had flying squirrels. The more I thought of it, I remembered that in middle school and high school, I always said, Andy, you know what? One day I'm going to have a pet flying squirrel. All right, well, there you go. But uh, he, he began to set traps. He said, you know what? Flying squirrels like sunflower seeds. So he sprinkled those sunflower seeds. Get them in a frenzy, you know, eating that next one they eat, it goes right into that trap. Sure enough, we, we've executed, I think, up to about five now flying squirrels. Got a flying squirrel graveyard in the backyard. Come visit sometime. But listen, here's the deal. When the flying squirrel gets a sunflower seed in their mouth, there's no more good days for them. It's over. They're executed on the spot. Now, I sure don't want to compare you just to a flying squirrel because you are the crown of creation, right? Made in the image of God. But likewise, here's the thing. If you get the wrong type of seeds in your mouth, then the expectation for your future is going to be determined by it. And the devil don't have a physical tongue to talk about you. He wants to use your own tongue to wage war against your own life. 
And we can either let the devil's seeds roll off our tongue or we can understand God's got another seed. His name is Christ Jesus and in him is all knowledge and all wisdom and all truth and all promises that are yes and amen. And we can get the right seeds in our mouth and it doesn't execute our vision and execute us thinking normal, but it allows us to see good days and love life. And I'm confident that you've lived long enough to understand the vast difference between the type of harvest that God's seeds produce and the devil's seeds produce. And it is exactly because of what the devil's seeds produce that leads to our next point. So refrain. Peter says that there is a refrain from our tongue in order to have the reset and experience a different output, a different harvest, a different experience in our life. A reset that leads to loving life and seeing good days. You know, I've never, uh, in, in my time on earth, I'm 36, I've never met a person, Tim, that says, you know what, I just love life too much. In fact, if you could just take some of the joy and the peace from me, I might be able to be a little better. Never met a person who says, you know what? I have enough joy, have enough peace, love life enough. I've never met that person. And so Peter says, if you want the reset that leads to more joy in God's spirit, more peace in your home, more peace in your future, in your heart, more of the life that Jesus came to give, then there must also be a refrain. Notice what he says. The first thing that the tongue must refrain from is from evil. Now we hear that, some of us think, yeah, like the way I used to talk to my friend or my mother or the way people talk at work. But listen, evil here, means non-faith or unbelief. In fact, there's a story in the Old Testament you find in the book of Numbers, in Numbers 13. God has redeemed, that means He has brought back His chosen people, the nation of Israel, to Him. He has delivered them by mighty signs and wonders, and He's brought them out to take them in, to take them into a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to take them to a place that He can broaden the sphere of their influence, that they could see good days, though they've been in slavery as a nation for hundreds of years under the oppression of Pharaoh, and yet God God takes them out to take them in and yet before they go in they say you know what let's send 12 spies just to make sure that the land we are about to enter into is the right land sure enough they bring back evidence massive harvest it's a land that is fertile it's a land that's fruitful in Numbers 13 27 they come back and they report to the nation of Israel they say we went to the land where you sent us it truly flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit look at it Nevertheless, the people who dwell there are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of the giants, Anak, there. As you can imagine, the nation's morale begins to change. Then in verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able, we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children, watch this, a bad report. Many translations say 
an evil report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Notice it says they brought back a bad report. It's an evil report. Why? Not because the people there were not giants, but because they saw with their eyes in the natural and forgot what God's already declared he had for their future. And they chose to believe what was happening in the natural than to believe God who says, I'm giving you the land. Meaning, an evil report is a report of unbelief regarding what God has promised you. It doesn't matter what's before you. It doesn't matter how tall the mountain is. It doesn't matter how more people are more trained and more equipped and have more schooling. If God said promotion is coming, if God says I'll favor you and I'll give you a business to bring glory to my ways of my kingdom and the right character to make money, then if God said it, then it will be accomplished and to speak contrary to what God said is an evil report. An unbelief report. And Peter said, if you want to love life, if you want to see the life that Jesus came to give you, what he's prepared for you to bring glory to God through fruitfulness, then you have to refrain your tongue from speaking evil or speaking contrary to the days that God has promised are in your future. And I know right now it's difficult for you because all you know is that bondage. All you know that's dysfunction. All you know is the marriage and your relationships to be one way. All you know is your career to go another way. But you got to let God's word and God's promise be on your tongue instead of a report of unbelief that's contrary to what God says for you because we're talking about God who speaks a thing and though you see it not in the natural and though it tarry, it will surely come to pass. It says refrain. You know what I found? Is God has sent spies ahead of every child of His. God has actually, because He loves you as a part of His eternal plan, the body of Christ, He's actually sent spies. He's actually sent more mature believers ahead of you to what he's promised for you. And when they come back with a report that you're not always going to live in this dysfunction, you're not always going to have to carry that depression, that you're not always going to have to experience just average life, but they, like Caleb says, you're well able in Christ to experience what God's promised. You cannot speak contrary to the good report of those that God sent before you, that He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, that He has prepared good works for you to walk in when He calls you to be born again through the word of salvation. See, God has sent promises ahead of every child of His. Paul said God has given and prepared good works. He's prepared them beforehand for you. But listen, you'll never walk in the good works that He's prepared beforehand for you if you don't refrain your tongue from speaking in unbelief of what those who are mature and went before you says God has for you. See, listen, God surrounds us all with people who's been further in Christ than us so that they can testify that they have tasted and seen the Lord is good, that He's not just good when they first get born again, that He's not just good through the difficult times, but that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and they're bringing you a report of faith that He is unchanging, that you can put your marriage on the rock of Jesus, you can put your finances on the rock of Jesus, you can put your hope on the rock of Jesus, 
And though the winds may blow and circumstances may come, it cannot crash the word of God's promise over those areas of your life. Don't speak evil of what God has had the more mature in faith report to you about God. Also, the Bible says an evil report is judging brothers and sisters. In James 4, 11 and 12, he says, Do not speak evil. See, an evil report. Peter says, Refrain from evil if you want to see good days and love life. And then James clarifies part of evil is not just speaking in unbelief of what God has spoken to you. But he also says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Notice that. When we begin to compare and judge and focus on what others are doing, we lose focus on what God has called us to do. He says you're either a judge and acting like a lawyer or you're a doer. Listen. I've come to find that God's given me enough promises that there's enough for me to put my hands to of what God's called me to do to worry about what everybody else is doing. If you'll get back focused on what God told you, you'll have plenty to do regarding what God has said about you. You won't have enough time to be focusing on what others are doing and judging them. He says, verse 12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Listen, you know what I found personally? That I don't always judge because I'm jealous. But I do always judge when I'm jealous. And you know what else I found about? That wrong spring, the soul, the flesh, my humanity. That I don't like to judge alone. I like to judge with a jury. Meaning when I start getting focused on what others are doing and what is taking place in the life of others, that I don't like just judging them alone. I like recruiting multiple people to become a jury and to judge what I don't like. And James says this type of misdirection and misfocus, misappropriation of time and resources, we must refrain from it if we want to see good days and love life. Next, he says, refrain from deceit. Now, what's the difference between evil and deceit? Deceit here means a non-truth. A non-truth. Evil is unbelief, doubting the report of God, what He has for you. But a deceit is a non-truth. Do you know that one of, a, one of the major problems in our nation is identity theft? In fact, the IRS put out a letter just recently that many people's tax returns will, will be delayed because of this very issue that they want to give more space to make sure that people are not stealing through identity theft people's returns that they deserve. In fact, it's so much a problem in our nation that a whole industry has been created. In fact, there are companies now that sell what's called a life lock or a credit freeze to freeze and to cause your life lock or your identity to become secure. And I couldn't help but to think how the enemy's trying to do the same thing to the people of God. 
that he's trying to blind you to your identity in Christ in the midst of suffering, in the midst of temptations, in the midst of trials. He's trying to blind you from your identity. He's trying to steal your identity. He's trying to get you to identify with the wrong things that's springing from your flesh and your soul instead of identifying that there is a well within you that never runs dry and his name is Jesus Christ and your identity is in him. And Paul said, you are created righteous and holy. You are the accepted of the beloved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your members are instruments of righteousness. You're a child of light, a son of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit through God's seed, God's truth, wants to put a life lock on your identity today. He wants to make it so clear to you, to resonate so deeply to you, that though you're not seeing what you thought you would see, though you're not seeing the good days you thought, that you're still secure on who you are in Christ, and that circumstances and events don't change who you are, but you got a life lock. you got the Holy Spirit reminding you that when the lies seem to speak louder than the truth, the the Holy Spirit, the helper, the spirit of truth is there making sure your identity is secure and locked and not up for deceit. So many of us, we only want to speak our failures. The Holy Spirit wants us to put a life lock that he causes us not to speak of our failures, but to speak of our futures in Christ. In Proverbs 15, 4, it says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. You know what you get on trees? You get fruit. And a wholesome tongue is a tree of life that leads to the fruit of seeing good days. But watch this. But perverseness in it, Proverbs 15, 4, breaks the spirit. Perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Now, oftentimes we think of perversity as sexual morality, and that's a part of it. But perverseness in Scripture means to distort. Anytime you distort anything, that's to pervert it. Okay? Meaning if you were to come in here and while I'm preaching, you just stand on that chair, you're actually operating in perverseness because the goal is that you would sit down there. Right? (laughs) So to pervert is to twist the purpose of something. Notice it says when perverseness gets in your tongue, it breaks the spirit. I've seen too many men in this country, too many men in the church, and too many people in general, that though they are born again and created righteous and holy through the new birth and are in union with Jesus Christ and have a spring that will bring freshness and vitality and fresh fruit and good days, their inner man is broken. Why? Because deceit is in their tongue. And they constantly speak contrary to who God says they are and what God says He's done through the miracle called the new birth. And the perverseness breaks the spirit. Let me tell you other deceit James mentions. The deceit of thinking I'm in control of everything. In James 3, 5, he says that the tongue, when it gets energized by hell, it boasts of great things. In James 4, 13 through 17, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, sell and make a profit. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Your life's a vapor. He says this. Instead, you ought to say, you ought to have a reset. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You know the difference between arrogance And confidence is the source in the spring. Is it springing from your own will or is it springing from his will? 
It might look the same and it might sound the same, but the fruit will not be the same. There can be people that are seen to be bold, but the boldness is springing from their own will, thinking they have the ability to control others. And you can see others that are just as bold, but it's actually a humility because they are submitted to what God has said He's going to do for them. It's springing out of the inner man and the Word of the Lord. But you know what I think about? I think about Peter. Peter finds himself in a difficult situation, in a trial. He's being sifted. And the Lord is in his suffering and going before uh, the high priest and the chief priest. And a little girl says, aren't you with him? He said, no. He denied the Lord. He said, no, no. Your, your speech says you're one of him. And he begins to cuss to try to get her to think that, no, he's not with Jesus. Can I just go ahead and tell you that your speech already betrays you? Meaning, if you're a child of God, that's why you talk about God sometimes. Your speech already portrays who you are, so don't let the devil get a hold of your tongue and start speaking contrary to who you are. Listen, we as the people of God, our speech, our worship, our habits already betray us, so why do we desire to speak the way the world wants us to speak? Our speech already portrays us. We are of Jesus. We are of Jesus. Proverbs 18, 7 says, His lips... Are the snare of his soul, his mouth is his destruction. Some of you wonder why has more of the devil's harvest come up in your life? The thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Why are more difficult and destruction? Sometimes, many times, oftentimes, notice what Proverbs says. His own lips are the snare of his soul. His mouth is his destruction. Let's get the seeds of the devil out of being right there in the middle of our mouth and let's let the good seeds of God's promise and God's truth be right there in the middle of our mouth. You know what I found? That when I realize I can't control everything, but what I can control is who I yield to on the inside of me, who gets a hold of the rudder of my life, I find out that a still heart leads to a still tongue. You know why Peter was always speaking up in awkward times? Because his heart was so anxious of not knowing what to do. A still heart leads to a still tongue. I found that a reverential heart leads to a refrained tongue. When I have a reverence that God alone is the potter and God alone is the dictator of my life, that my life is found in Jesus Christ alone and I'm His slave, willingly a bondservant, that a reverential heart that He has apprehended me by His goodness and for His glory and for His purpose, when I have that reverential heart, it leads to a refrained tongue of saying, Lord, if it be Your will, then do it. But there's so much I don't know. But I'll trust You. I'll wait for your clear word and then your word will forever be upon my lips. I found that a surrendered heart leads to a surrendered tongue. 
And I have found surrendering of our physical destination leads to a tongue eventually with the decision of God upon it. That if you will first get in stillness before Him, if you will first get silent and surrender the fact that you can't control everything, can't know everything, that out of that stillness, out of that surrender comes a clear word from God of what He has for you, of what He's going to do in you, what He's going to do through you, where He's going to lead and guide you. That out of that stillness, God speaks the same word that spoke the heavens into existence and by wisdom he founded the earth God can speak and give wisdom to find new businesses to found new ideas to found a new experience in your marriage a new plan for your finances a new plan for the future that God can speak and when he speaks You refrain from speaking contrary to what he said and you keep the seeds of God in your mouth. Because right there in the middle of your mouth you can have a reset. Some of us need a reset in the type of religion we experienced. Some of us need a reset in the type of church that we've known. Some of us need a reset on what we thought Jesus taught in the early church taught. Some of us need a reset in our marriage and in our life and in our direction. And I want to tell you that right there in the middle, the middle of your mouth, a reset can start. That God, by the power of the Holy Spirit through word, accomplishes much for Jesus Christ and for His kingdom. But maybe you come to the point In this message you say, but like James said, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But Chad, no man can tame the tongue. I can't tame my tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. I know. That's why Jesus came. That's why he left his glory in heaven. And God sowed the seed, Jesus Christ, to this earth and he lived a sinless life. He never spoke one word that the Father didn't give him to speak. Jesus came so that we could have a reset. Because there is only one man between God and you that can reset your tongue and reset your heart and reset your life and it's the one man Jesus Christ. He alone has all glory. He alone has all splendor. He alone can achieve and do what we could never do. He alone can tame your tongue. He alone can turn your heart from a messed up heart to a healed and a whole heart. Jesus Christ is him who we preach. Him crucified and out of that weakness he can release a power that can transform the future of your life. We preach Christ, the one man that can tame the tongue. As you, I want to ask you to stand as they begin to worship. Maybe you want to start that reset and begin to talk to Jesus. He's the only one that can tame the tongue because He's the only one that can change the heart. He's able to go to the root of the problem. The gospel unto salvation, unto deliverance is the wisdom of God to change courses of people's families, courses of people's marriage, courses of entire lineages, courses of entire cities. As Jesus said, I have all authority. As you're going, go in my authority. Go with my reset, making disciples of all nations. Not any kind of disciple, but disciples that are taught to observe all that I've commanded. Lo, and I'm with you. Come on, let's worship him. You talk to him. I can't talk to God for you. Talk to him.
inviting me, and he alone is the tongue tamer. Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.